Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. What an awesome week we've had with our young people. Last Sunday morning, just a blowout service with our youth. Let's give our youth a good round of applause. Still at the altar, still worshiping, keeping the flame. And then this week we had Sunday school And if you didn't get a chance to be there, you missed it. It was absolutely fantastic. And we have every right to be proud of our Sunday school department. It's wrong to be proud about yourself, not wrong to be proud about somebody else. So they did an outstanding job. And one of the things, I don't know if you caught it this morning, but they said, when life has changes... There are gonna be some changes here. In another month, we're gonna have a transitional service where Brother Cordell will be the uh, senior pastor. And I know that that's a concern for some of you. It's a concern for me. I've, I've never been there before and done this, and neither have you probably. So what we did uh, over a year ago is we hired a coach. We brought Brother Aaron Soto in from Appleton. He is also the... Uh, presbyter for the north central region of America. So he's very experienced and he has been working with our pastors, our pastors uh, board, our trustee board, and with our leaders for over a year now. And after the transition, Brother Soto will continue to work with us. So we are trying to get the outside help that we need as well. But I want to Make sure that there's no confusion, that there's no rumors, and so I want to share just a little bit of, uh, of information with you. When these kinds of transitions take place over a long period of time that a pastor may have been somewhere, it is recommended that the pastor be gone from the church anywhere from a minimum of three months to a year. And we've talked about this, and what we're going to do is we're gonna start with the three months. And Sister Kylie and I will be gone for three months after this transition takes place. We will attend another assembly. That assembly will be Pastor David Meyer's church in New Berlin. Um, And we will be there, like I said, for the three months. He's very gracious. All of my financial, my wife and I's financial commitments to Abundant Life will remain at Abundant Life. We will give offerings and and try and be a blessing to their church, Um, but we will attend there for those three months. Then we will come back, because as I have said, time and time again, this is still my church. This is is still where I wanna be, and I'm not leaving. I'm just going away for a little while. (laughs) Praise God. And so we'll begin that on the 9th. Brother Cordell is not here today because he's at a minister's conference, and so it's the perfect opportunity for me to speak behind his back. And I have a prayer request. This is a prayer request that I am asking this congregation for. I'm asking you for four things toward Brother and Sister Cordell. I'm asking for you to be respectful of this transition to be loyal to the transition, to be kind in the transition, 
and to be patient in the transition. Would you make every effort to do that? You know, I had this thought this morning. When we talk about Jesus, we talk about all the things he is. But when we look at ourselves, do you know what we are? We are practicing Christians. Just like they have doctors that have practices, we're practicing. We're not perfect. We're still learning, but we're trying, right? So we're practicing Christians. We're trying to practice our Christian faith. And when this season ends, uh, I promise you five things when I come back. One, I will support the senior pastor and his wife. Two, I will mentor, my wife and I will mentor as many people as we can for ministry and for leadership. Three, we will teach home Bible studies. Four, I would like to write a book. And guess what? You're in it. I think there's a lot of things that we've experienced that could bless other people. And number five, the the last thing I'm going to do, but it's very important to me, I want to spend more time, my precious wife, please stand up, Sister Kylie. You're going to have to replace her up there, by the way. See, now that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The way that you respect her and I, I'm asking you to do the same for the next pastor. Is that unreasonable? Thank you so much for your willingness to do that. But, and, and finally, I want to spend time with you. And I'll have more time to do that without being the senior pastor. So when life has changes, God is good. God is good. Amen. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, and again, we're so glad for every visitor and saint that's here today. If you're a visitor, we have a hospitality room at the end of the hallway, a big sign, just walk straight out. One of our pastors will be there to minister and answer questions, have coffee with you, but we hope you have time to stop today. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants, servants, and delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. He that received the five talents went and traded the same and made other five talents. Also he that received two, gained other two, but he that received one went, digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. And today I want to talk to you about my ways of saying thank you. My ways of saying thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. All of us have at least, at least a minimum of one talent, You were born with that talent. In Acts chapter one and verse eight, it says you will receive power 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. The one talent we have is that we are witnesses as to what God has done in our lives that can never be disputed. It can never be taken away. You can argue about the Bible if you want to. But you don't know, like I know, what he's done for me. You can't take that away. That's my testimony. That's my witness any time that he is put on trial. And I am in this verse right here when it lists the cities too, by the way, and country. He said, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. I am from Samaria, called Okanamowak. I am not from the uttermost part of the earth. I am from Samaria. And I am called to testify on the behalf of Jesus Christ. And that may be what you think is the only talent you have, but it is the most important talent that you can have. In verse 19, the Lord comes back to his servants. And he says, after a long time, this is 25 and 19, a long time. How many of you think it's been a long time since Jesus left? It's been a long time. But the Lord of those servants came and he reckoned with them. And he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. I've gained five beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. When you are using your talents, you'll have joy. When you are inactive, you will not. The joy comes from using your talents. Somebody said amen. Anybody ever teach a home Bible study? How do you feel after that Bible study? I've gained two other talents beside them. Well done, you faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. But he that received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you're a hard man. You reap where you haven't sown. You gather where you have not strawed. You know what he's doing? He's complaining against his master. You didn't do enough for me. Maybe you did it for the five, and maybe you did it for the two, but you didn't treat me the same way. And he complains against his master. And then he says, and I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the earth, and here it is, you can have it back. He's got an attitude, just like Cain had. And his Lord answered and said unto him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I didn't sow, gathered where I've not strawed. You should have taken and put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I would have received my own usury. Therefore, take the talent from him. Give it to him that has the ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. For for him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And then I want you to cast 
the unprofitable servant into outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see weeping and gnashing of teeth in the scripture, it's because the person is angry with themselves. Because they know now what they should have done and they did not do it. Their disappointment is no longer against the Lord or even against other people. Their disappointment is in themselves. Even the man that was told that he should have had a garment had nothing to say when he was asked, why don't you have one? And when he was cast out, it says, there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. He knew what he should have done, but he did not do it. So what have we learned from this? I I believe there's four things we can learn. Number one, do not compare your talents with one another. Don't do that. Number two, set out to meet God's expectations for you. Number three, whatever talents you have, use it or you'll lose it. And number four, the object is to gain more talents. Not to hold the fort, not to just endure to the end, but to advance. One day they questioned General Patton on the progress of his troops. And they told him that the word had been out that you were holding your ground. And General Patton said, we are not holding anything. We are constantly advancing, even if it's just one foot at a time. Don't hold on and don't hold out. Go forward. Advance with the talents that you've been given. I've discovered that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's very comparative in the gifts of the Spirit to what we're talking about with the talents. Watch this in 1 Corinthians 12 and 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? And that word means mankind. Is given to everyone to profit with all. Everybody has at least one gift of the Spirit. Same as the story of the talents. Everybody's got at least one. And God is the one that divides, not man, severally as he wills. You could have one, you could have four, you could have eight, nine gifts of the Spirit. Then he lists the gifts of the Spirit. One is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, knowledge by the same Spirit, faith by the same Spirit, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, divers kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh with that one and self same Spirit, dividing again, he says it, to every man severally as he wills. What are your gifts? I'm gonna make you think today. What gifts of the Spirit reside in you as a Spirit-filled Christian? And what are you doing with your gift or your talent? Because one day, 
you will be accountable for what your master has bestowed upon you. Can I get an amen? He bestows these gifts upon us. Had an experience today. Let me go off just a little bit here. Had an experience today. How many of you have ever been to St. Louis? Let me just give you this little tidbit here today that, that God showed me that it was, it was, when you go to St. Louis, you will find that St. Louis is on the Mississippi River. On the north banks of the Mississippi River, you will see a large arch. It's called the arch. The reason that the arch was built was because St. Louis was declared to be the gateway to the west. The Mississippi River flows completely through the United States and divides the country in half. So the arch represented people that were going west because they came usually down the river or crossed the river and went through St. Louis to go west. Now, I know some of you know that, but here's what you don't know. Here's what I want to share with you. This morning when I got up, Obviously, the sun is in the east, and I was walking west, parallel to Highway 18. And I saw the most beautiful rainbow, huge arch from the cornfield all the way across Highway 18. So it covered both the highway and the walking trail. And as, as I was walking through there, I thought, you are so cool, God, that you would let me see this beautiful rainbow that I'm, it appears I'm walking right toward the promises of God. Rainbows represent promises that God has made to us. And, and you know what, folks? I, I don't know about you, but like the kids saying today, every day is another opportunity to walk into the promises of God, to see what God has in store for that particular day? What, what can I do today with what you've given me? And so I, I walked, I walked all the way till the end of that walk and that rainbow, I could see it the entire time. And when I turned around and went to walk back home, I obviously was now heading east. Here came my doves again. It flew and landed on the wire and started cooing. And I thought to myself, again, God, you are so cool. Thank you for the promises. And thank you for the peace which passes all understanding. Because doves represent the peace of God. You know, I think that God is waiting for us to wake up in the morning. I think he paints a beautiful sunrise and a sunset. But in the morning, he's, he's got things all laid out. It's like he's sitting right next to your bed looking at you, just waiting for you to wake up so that the two of you can spend some time together. That you're not so rushed that you miss what he has in store. And I... I have to admit, I don't know how this ties into this message, 
But I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he's got a plan for your life and you can walk right in it and right to it. Right in it and right to it. One of the things I've learned, let me come back now to gifts and talents. One of the things I've learned is we don't earn our salvation. Now I know that there's some people that will talk about cheap grace and they will talk about easy believism and things like that and I, I'm, not, I'm not there, I'm not interested in any of that. But I will tell you this, I haven't earned anything when it comes to my salvation, nothing. And so for me to think that if I do enough good deeds that I gain God's favor, the only one being deceived is me. We're not saved by our works, we're saved by his works. Hallelujah. Thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for salvation. So what are you saying, Brother Kylie? I'm saying my life is reactionary. I am reacting to what God has given me. And my reaction should be that of thankfulness. My motivation for what I do is not out of obligation or an attempt to earn brownie points or to get on goods, God's good side. I'm doing this because I'm thankful. I love Jesus. This is my joy. It is a pleasure to serve him, not an obligation. Thank you. Thank you. Look, I want you to see this. Acts chapter two, I would be neglect if I didn't share this with you. Acts 2 and 37, when, when the people heard about their responsibility for crucifying Jesus, it says in 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What is required of us? They felt like they were lost because of their responsibility in having Jesus crucified. I could see how they could come to that conclusion. I mean, if you believe in degrees of sin, this is, the, this is numero uno, folks. This is number one on the hit parade. And so they're saying, what do we do now? And the plan of salvation is brought by Peter when he says, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now repentance is where we come to God and we simply leave ourselves at an altar. We come to God and we say, God, I admit it. I've wronged you, I've sinned against you, I've hurt other people. I'm sorry, the way I'm living is not the way you want me to live. I can see that in the scripture. I know that in my conscience. And so I'm here today not to confess my sins to the pastor or to brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm here to get right with you and to give you my life as a living sacrifice. That's repentance. 
And being baptized in Jesus' name is where our sins are washed away. It's an act of obedience that allows God to wash away our sins. It's his plan, not ours. But the one I want to focus on here is after that, he says, and you shall receive the gift. He did not say the reward. You know, you came to an altar and you you made things right with me and then you were obedient and you got baptized in my name, so I'm going to reward you. No, I'm not going to reward you. I'm going to gift you. See, there's a big difference A gift is something that is given because the person that gives it is wealthy enough, generous enough, and loves you enough to give it with no strings attached. You might misuse the gift. That's between you and the one who gave you the gift. But it's still a gift. We gotta understand this, folks. I had a woman recently said to me, you know, she said, you know, Pastor Kylie, uh, I, I know you believe in people receiving the Holy Ghost and, and when they do, they have this experience uh, that's mentioned in the book of Acts where they speak in tongues, but I just don't believe that God gives everybody the same gift the same way. I said, well, do you have any children? Yeah. I said, all right. Do you love your children? Yep. You love them equally? Well, yeah. Okay. I said, well, why? Could you picture Christmas time? Why would you give a big bunch of gifts to this one and not give any one to that one? You wouldn't do that, would you? Well, no, I wouldn't do that. Well, why would God give the greatest gift that he could possibly give to one and not to another. I mean, if he's got all the wealth and, and God loves the whole world, why would he be, contrary to what the scripture says, a respecter of persons? Because if I give something to somebody and not to another, then I respect one more than I respect the other. I believe that God wants to fill everybody with his spirit. For the promise is unto you, and it's to your children. It's to those that are far off. It's as for as many as the Lord our God shall call. Does that leave anybody out? It's inclusive. God is an inclusive, not an exclusive. And that's why I love him so much. Because if I got what I deserved... Well, none of us would be happy with that. Can I get an amen to that at least? So here's where I want to stop today. This, I, I have to make this point. There's a book out, it's been out for quite a while now. It's a book by a man by the name of Gary Smalley. Gary Smalley wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And he believes that there are at least five ways that people show their love or their appreciation for another. 
And this starts, these five love languages are not just interacting with one human being and another human being. You gotta get this point first. It should start with our relationship to God first and then our relationship with one another. Okay, so don't, don't think this is just an interactive human race thing. But I'm gonna very lightly hit on all five of these points. This is how we show God and other people how much we love them. Five points. Number one, words of appreciation. Do you know that your words can create and your words can destroy? You, the power is in your tongue. Maybe that's why God chose speaking in other tongues as the evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost because he's heard your tongue in another way previous to that which is completely contrary to his will and is blasphemous. And so he takes the last member of your body to yield to him and uses it to demonstrate the infilling of his spirit. Great preaching. You know why it's great preaching? Because it's simple and it's understandable. And out of the abundance of your heart, the scripture says, the mouth speaks. You don't have a mouth problem, you have a heart problem. Your mouth is only expressing what lives in your heart. But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. A new heart and a new spirit will I put in you, he warned and said. That's what changes our lives. And so all of this, if you're new here and and you thought, boy, these guys, they really lay it on. Those are words and expressions of appreciation in praise and in worship that we give because we're expressing our love to God. Number two, there are acts of service. That's another way we did we demonstrate our love we're not again we're not earning our salvation but somebody goes out here and takes care of these flowers aren't they beautiful every time you walk up and leave what are you doing I'm doing what I know and I'm taking my talent and I'm using it to bless the kingdom and to bless God's people God's glorified by a a property that's kept up. Amen. Acts of service. The third thing is giving. Giving. It's it's one of the ways we show our appreciation and our love to God. I'm I'm not ashamed to tell you this. The early church got this right away. I mean, they, they, when they received the Holy Ghost, they got it right away. In the same chapter that salvation is spoken of, it says that they went and sold their possessions, parted to every man as they had need. If you go to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, it will say that they sold their properties, they sold their houses, they sold their possessions, they took all of that money and they brought it to the apostles' feet and didn't tell them how to spend it. 
They just said distribute it as there is need in the kingdom. That is a giving spirit that demonstrates their love of God and one another. I don't, and I'm going to say this too, I don't tithe out of obligation. I don't give the first 10% or anything beyond that toward heart for the house or missionary giving. I don't give that because I made a vow to God. I give it because I love God and I know I got 100% from him and I want to be a blessing to him, to his kingdom, and to his people. That's giving out of love. And I need that. I don't know about you, but I think, I think people need guidelines and they need rules as a place to start. We need them in society and we need them in the kingdom of God. Otherwise, we'd have a lawless society. If everybody drives out here whatever speed they think they, they can handle or they want to drive, we're going to have accidents. Well, I'll leave that. Giving is important. Number four, the way you spend quality time demonstrates your love for God and for others. Remember what you've been taught. The way a person spends their time reveals their priorities. And the way a person spends their money reveals their values. Okay, five love languages. And then the last love language is personal touch. Personal touch. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. Then your life will never be the same. There's only one way, one way to touch him. Just believe when you call on his name. The old song, Touching Jesus. I give you this last thought. John chapter 12, verse 1. I'm not going to take the time to read all of this. I'm just going to make this final point. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper. Martha served. Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table. Of course, we know what Mary was doing. She had bought the ointment at the cost of a year's wages, poured it over his head and feet, and worshiped him. And there's a fourth character, if you read the rest of the chapter, that will be mentioned and his name is Judas. The reaction to Jesus being in the room had four demonstrations. Martha, she served. Lazarus, he sat. Mary, she worshiped. And Judas, he criticized. Why was this wasted? It should have been sold and put into the bag. 
which person am I with the talents and gifts that I have? I'm gonna ask our young people to come. They're gonna minister at our altar right now. So if you'll come and get in place. Praise God. These are the ways that I can say thank you. Thank you. One day, 10 lepers came to Jesus. Let's stand together. 10 lepers came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, would you heal us of our leprosy? Would you show us a miracle? And Jesus in his compassion touched them and said, now that I've performed this miracle, I want you to go to the priests and you report to them and they will will give you clearance to go back into society. And as they left and they walked toward the priests, they discovered that their leprosy was gone. At that point, one man, a Samaritan, stopped and said, I'm not going to the priest, I'm going to Jesus first. He spun around and as fast as he could, he came to where he had last seen Jesus and fell at his feet and thanked him for healing him of his leprosy. And I want you to hear the question that Jesus asked the man who came to return and give thanks. Were there not 10 healed? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? You get to answer the question today. You get to be the one that comes to Jesus' feet with thankfulness or the nine that just go on their way. And our young people today are gonna minister in this song and I encourage you to come to this altar as they do and let's just love Jesus and be so thankful for all that he's done and all that he's doing. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's have our young people minister in song. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.